You're listening to Real People of Orange County, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. This show is a fun and informative look inside the lives of Orange County's best and brightest. These are people who serve their community in a meaningful capacity on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Real People OC. I'm your host, Kimberly Martin, and we air each and every Thursdays from 4 to 5 on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. And we are always streaming on the web at KUCI.org. And you can reach us via podcast by going to KUCI.org. Click on the archives button and that'll take you to all of our shows where you can listen to our podcasts any time of the day or night. Now on to today's segment. A couple of weeks ago, I attended the Orange County Business Journal's Women in Business Awards. It was great to see so many women nominated for their leadership efforts in business as well as serving their community. One of this year's award winners was Melissa Beck, the CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters of Orange County. Melissa is a tireless advocate for children facing adversity, believing that all children should have the opportunity to succeed in life and reach their full potential. Through her work, her other philanthropic commitments, and public speaking engagements, she is bringing awareness to the importance of youth mentoring in helping create systematic socioeconomic change. Prior to joining Big Brothers Big Sisters, Melissa served as the executive director of the Center for Investment and Wealth Management at the UCI Palmerage School of Business. During her tenure there, she helped raise more than $3.3 million for the school, grew the advisory board to include over 55 of the most prominent wealth management firms in Southern California, and established the center as a thought leader and a source of innovative analysis for new methodologies and strategies within the wealth management industries. Melissa began her career in public accounting. Hmm, Note to you students there, wondering where it can all go, working with some of the country's most prominent professional athletes musicians. Melissa received her Bachelor of Science degree in accounting with a minor in economics from Northern Arizona University and an executive MBA, magna cum laude, from our very own Palmerage School of Business here at UCI. Melissa is a visionary member of the Dean's Leadership Circle at the UC Irvine Palmerage School of Business. She serves on the advisory board for the Brandman University Business School and is a member of Orange County Young Executives. She sits on the board of the Economic Self-Sufficiency Policy and Research Institute at UCI, and she lives here locally in Orange County. So in this interview, she shows us the importance of mentorship as a way of breaking the poverty cycle in our youth and preparing them for college. I hope you enjoy this interview. Well, so welcome to Real People OC, Melissa Beck. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, so I was really excited to be a part of the Women in Business, the Orange County Business Journal's annual event honoring women in business in Orange County. And you are a recipient of this year's award. That was exciting, wasn't it? It was It was truly exciting. And they don't let you know beforehand. So it was a wonderful surprise. Oh, well, good and well-deserved, I'm sure, for you and for many of the ladies that were up there on the stage. Had you been nominated before? I had. I've been nominated um, the last couple years, probably all four years that I've been with Big Brothers Big Sisters, um, but what definitely wasn't expecting to, to win this year. Very exciting. How fun. Well, okay, so you have so you have some interesting history with UCI, and we always love yeah. to share that information with our listeners since we are here at, this, at, the, at the university. T- take us back a little bit and then um, lead us into where you are now. 
So I started my career in public accounting and then transitioned into finance. And kind of after starting a family, I went to go work in a business school at UCI, specifically in their investment management program um, at the business school and kind of working with the finance department on uh, curriculum and education for the community as well as the students. Um, I did go back and get my MBA from UCI as well, so I am an alum. And um, kind of it was actually through that process of getting my MBA that I had the thought about going into nonprofit management and really trying to make a difference in that industry and eventually and ended up doing that shortly after graduation. Hello. Okay, very interesting. I had um, so your time here working at the university. Tell me how that was spent. Um, so I was a, a, a staff member in the business school. I was the director of the Center for Investment and Wealth Management, and was working with the faculty and the dean on developing kind of um, curriculum within the finance program for what started out being uh, business school graduate students, but ended up um, including undergrads as well when the business school expanded to include undergrads, and then also provided education for the community on um, all of the topics within wealth management, so accounting, economics, finance, um, and, and did that for for a few years, developing the board, developing the program, um, and working very closely uh, with the dean on some fund development initiatives. That sounds really rewarding, and I'm sure you enjoy your time here. How long were you here? I was there, I want to say just over four years, maybe four and a half years. Okay, very cool. And then you ended up, then you're now at Big Brothers Big Sisters. Tell us about that journey and, and how you started. Yeah, uh, you know, as I mentioned, I it was during my process of getting my MBA at the Mirage School um, that I had the thought about nonprofits and just that we really do look to these organizations to right some generational wrongs, you know, some problems that haven't been able to been solved in in decades, if not even longer, and. We also under-resource those organizations. So what could you do with the right mission and the right purpose, but with a team that was business-focused, um, had those that, you know, a diverse background and skill that were progressive, outside-the-box thinkers, but wanting that fulfillment? And could you then really take an organization and propel it um, and scale it in a way that many do with businesses, but often uh, nonprofits struggle to do so. And so about three months after graduating with my MBA, um, a recruiter brought me an op- a, a opportunity at Big Brothers Big Sisters. At the time, it was for COO. Um, and I came to the organization as the COO. And then about eight months later, the board asked me to step in as CEO, and it has been just about four years since that transition, um, and I've never worked harder, but never been happier. Uh, isn't that isn't that the best? That's the best feeling. Well, you raise such an interesting point about most are underfunded for their for their general mission um, yeah. to fulfill their mission statement. 
how have have you seen that first of all create um, you know a less successful outcome for those organizations and how can you go about implementing a way around that because it can't just be throwing more money at the situation can it no I mean it, well and if you it's strategically so you know it really is a handicap to an organization to say you need to accomplish this giant goal I mean I think almost every nonprofit that I know of has kind of that you know, that BHAG, that big, audacious goal that they are trying to accomplish. Um, and it takes a lot. Yet we say, but you can't spend any money on marketing and you can't spend any money on administrative support. And, you know, you only can pay people, you know, so much money. Um, it doesn't create an environment for success. And so what we've done is just talk about our organization and what it is that we do in the very same way that any CEO of a for-profit would talk about their company. And so the need to allocate resources towards marketing um, or to need to invest in your employees and have policies that are employee-focused, employee-friendly, we have a huge initiative on being a best places to work. And that does take resources, not only financial resources, but time. It it takes a lot of my time to coach and mentor our team. We also have a director of HR and leadership development who probably spends, you know, 75% of his time on cultivating young managers within our organization. And that is time that we allow him to do that. And so it's not just, you know, kind of blanketly throwing you know, money around, but it's talking about it in a strategic fashion. It's measuring what the initiatives you do return to the organization and and speaking about it to business leaders like we are a business. We're really fortunate that the majority of our donors and our board members um, are business owners and our CEOs. And so when you speak with them about your organization as equal to theirs and parallel to theirs, not different, then there's, um, it, it, so far for us, it hasn't been something that we've run into as an obstacle. So interesting. I am curious a little bit about the basic mission of Big Brothers Big Sisters. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so we're a mentoring organization, and we've been around for over a century nationally, um, and next year it'll be 60 years here in Orange County. And uh, mentoring is what we do. We, we hyper-focus on that. We do it three different ways. Uh, the first and most well-known way is we pair adults in our community who are looking for a wonderful volunteer opportunity with a child who lacks a positive role model. And they see each other for a couple hours, twice a month, and it truly does change the life and the trajectory that that child is on. Um, We also have a a corporate program where we'll partner a high school with a local corporation and the high school student will be transported by us um, to meet with their mentor at their company office. This is on company time. Um, We have this with about a dozen partners here in Orange County. Um, And so they meet with their mentor at work once a month and it's facilitated by our team. And then we have a high school program, which I absolutely love, where a high school student signs up to serve as the mentor 
for an elementary school student um, who most likely is is in their neighborhood, went to, goes to the elementary school that they went to. It's once a week after school, so it's a pretty big commitment. All of our programs are minimum of a year, and they all permanently change the life of the mentee. It's so interesting to me. I have a friend who made this commitment, and we met her little sister. It's oh, such really? yes, it's such an intimate exchange, and it's a really unique way of giving back that is not typical with most organizations, where you have some sort of insulation between the person that's giving to the person that's receiving. How have you navigated those very intimate relationships that do take part and um do you offer like to just let's talk a little bit about that because I'm I'm fascinated. No, they are. They're each one is so personal and so significant, um, and that's why it's important that they are long term, um, that they are at least a year. Most of our matches go much beyond that, um, and that they're one to one. You know, we need, we don't do group mentoring. It's always one to one because that's how you're really going to change the life of this child. Every single match has a dedicated support person who is a full-time employee of our agency. Um, They are degreed, they are highly trained, and they are there to manage your match for you. Um, The first, I'm sure if you you asked your friend, the first eight months or so is kind of difficult because these really are two strangers that we're, we're placing together. We have a tried and true formula. We do it really thoughtfully. Um, but they are strangers. Um, and so, you know, and kids don't give a lot of feedback at first. They're, they're not overly gracious thanking you for taking them out to pizza or to the beach. Um, they don't give you feedback. Uh, so that's what this person is there for. They're really there to hold, hold your hand, guide you through it, give, solicit that feedback and, and give it. Um, all of our case managers are required to talk to the parent, the child, and the volunteer all separately at least once a month. And the goal of that is twofold. First is to make sure the children in our program are safe. Safety is our number one priority. Um, You know, we understand in any organization where there are kids, there is always a safety risk. And we put in a lot of measures to ensure that our kids are continually safe. And then the second one is just to steward that relationship. So that you can, you know, you can develop and you can grow and that you do form those bonds because it does take a little bit of work at first. And for a lot of our volunteers, this is, it is unlike any experience they've ever had. Um, It is the ultimate volunteer opportunity, but um, it can be hard at times too. And so it's really nice to know that you have that dedicated person that you can call at any time um, with any questions, any problems. They also do a lot of training with our volunteers so that they feel equipped um, to serve as a mentor for a child who most likely has um, a life very different from the one that they had growing up. It's so interesting that you meet once a month. I can imagine that, I mean, what you're describing is really a whole social welfare system that you are managing that is is probably really unique. I mean, are there any other organizations that do s- attempt to do this type of an ad- intimate exchange that you guys are doing? 
Um, not from a mentoring standpoint. Um, we really are kind of the mentoring organization around. I will say that um, CASA, which is court-appointed special advocates, also has kind of an intimate program where a volunteer is serving as your advocate in court for a child going through the social services system. So I know that's also a, kind of an intense, intimate relationship. Um, but it's more about uh, being that advocate in court for this child and having their back. Um, and ours is a little more um, all-encompassing um, and less, a little less hyper-focused. But both are just amazing volunteer opportunities and truly do have a permanent impact on the life of a child. Um, how old does a child have to be to be paired up with an adult? Six. So we enroll kids as young as six and as old as 16. You can be in our program until 25, which is a new advancement for us and something that we're piloting for the whole nation um, here in Orange County. Big Brothers Big Sisters as a national organization serves until 18, but we have extended that to 25 because we feel like 18 to 25 is truly a crucial time in a young person's life where a lot of very important decisions are being made. Um, but so, but we'll enroll you still from 6 to 16 because we think it's important for you to have a few years with your mentor before you become an adult. Makes perfect sense because um, I know that within the foster care system, you know, all heck can break loose at 18 when they <laughs> run amok. And so they've done really huge strides in keeping, you know, in contact with those individuals so that they don't just let them loose in the world, kind of like the rest of us do with our own kids. But, you know, they yeah. don't have the intact social network to fall back on. So, you know, lots of failure can happen for anybody, even somebody raised in a good home when they're just first starting out. Oh, I know many um, of our supporters and our boards and our even our volunteers would say that you know, at 18, they were not productive members of society. Exactly. It still takes, there's still a lot of care and feeding going on. And that's something we noticed is that a lot of organizations were either serving till 18 or starting at 18. And at 18, the work is not done. And if you haven't worked with, with a young person before 18, it's a little bit too late. And so we're really looking to be that organization that bridges those two together with the goal that every child in our program is kind of the first in their family to live independently, not, not rely on um, social services and have a living wage job. Interesting. Okay, so if you're just tuning in, this is Real People OC, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin, and we are having a conversation with Melissa Beck. She is the CEO of Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Orange County, and do I also add the Inland Empire as well? Yes, That's we do a... oversee Riverside and San Bernardino too. Okay, well, what an awesome task, because I can imagine handling one county alone, but adding two additional ones, especially um, those with... So you know, where there's a potential for such high need, it would be incredible. Yes. Um, I loved your comment earlier on in our discussion, Melissa, when you said um, that you called it the BHAG, the big audacious goal. <laughs> yes. Um, I would like to know what one or two of those are for an organization such as yourself. And then what are some of those smaller goals that you've been um, happily achieving along the way? So our big goal is, you know, for, for some perspective, 
the kids in our program, the typical profile is that this is kind of a a, a low income, um, usually single parent household, usually mom. Um, and over half of the kids in our program have had some sort of abuse at home. About a third have had a parent in jail and nearly two thirds have a parent or both parents, whomever is at home, um, that didn't graduate high school. And so kind of our big audacious goal is that we truly want this child to be the first in their family, the first generation to not only graduate high school, but to potentially go to college. And we have about a 90% college enrollment rate, which is fantastic. That is fantastic. Um, but to graduate, because statistics will tell you that for a kid with a profile like ours, only less than 5% will actually finish college. So we want our kids to finish and to have a career that will support their family that they will be the first one to completely break the cycle of poverty, live independently, have a living wage career, not just a job, um, and be able to be the first to do that because we truly believe that if this child can grow up to be that, then it's not even a question for the children that that person has. Um, so that's kind of our, our big goal. That's what drives us every day. Um, that is really how we'll bring down the cost of of welfare and other social service programs is by mentoring kids to have brighter futures. And we do it one at a time, um, but it's incredibly effective. A hundred percent of our kids graduate high school on time and 90% enroll in college. Um, so it works. Uh, it's just getting more volunteers and, and the funds to support those matches. Um, we've almost doubled. We'll ha by next year, we'll have doubled in five years, the number of kids that we served going from 2,000 to 4,000. Um, and it, it, it's a lot of work and it's, it's a lot of balls in the air, but that's our big goal. And then our small goal is to just, is obviously to make sure our kids are always safe, that our program has the highest impact possible for the lowest investment. We talk a lot about return on investment at our organization and how we can have our program be as efficient as possible and as impactful as possible. And then, as I mentioned before, being a best places to work is really important to the identity of our organization. We've implemented some policies that are, I think, a little abnormal for nonprofits. We have a maternity paternity leave policy, um, and we have some other really great programs that are very employee-focused um, because being a best place to work and having I'm not naive to think that everyone's going to work for Big Brothers, Big Sisters forever, but when they look back on their career in 20, 30 years, they say that was one of, if not the best job I ever had. Uh, that's a nice goal. You know, that's not an easy one to put on your list, you know, when you're so busy trying to accomplish these this big audacious goal of helping kids. Um, I'm curious if you would reflect for a moment on the need. You have, <clears throat> it sounds like, upwards of 4,000 volunteers that are you're pairing up or you're on your way to having that what yes. if you were to accomplish the need for the people that come to you how many volunteers would you need goodness um so i will say we get probably 200 to 250 kids a month asking for a volunteer yet we only are able to match 
about 40 or 50 of them. So each month we're putting nearly 200 kids on a wait list. So if I could wave wave a magic wand, uh, I would be bringing in 250 qualified uh, volunteers a month. Um, you know, we, it's, it's a, it's a robust process to become a volunteer for us as it should be. Um, it's, it's a lengthy interview and trainings and background checks and all of that. But, um, we're always, it's always our number one need is more volunteers and specifically guys, uh, 80% of the kids coming in are boys and they're really looking for a fun, cool guy to go to the park and throw a ball or, you know, go to a baseball game, something like that. Um, because our kids really don't get the opportunity to do that. Their neighborhoods are not conducive to going out and playing and playing sports and, and things like that. And that's what the kids in our program want to do. They just want to go have fun. So, yeah, that's what what a huge deficit. And I bet you that is probably what keeps you up at, at night. It's, it's going to yeah. keep me yeah. up for a while, too, just knowing that. Um, I'm interested in if you would reflect on a moment about the process of bringing on a volunteer. Do they meet with, are they required to meet with their, um, with their, their, I don't want to say student, but with the child um, any certain amount of time during that month? Or what is, what is the overall commitment? Yeah, so the overall commitment we say is generally twice a month for three hours each. Um, so that could be, you know, a Saturday morning. That could be one afternoon during the week. You know, you, you do something after work, grab pizza, um, see a movie, something like that. So that's, that's fairly typical. Um, life does get in the way. We know that our volunteers are usually professionals and they travel and they have family commitments. Um, but, but in general, um, that's probably the average. And are they allowed to bring the child to their family events? They are. So uh, we ask that you wait six months uh, before bringing a child to your home um, and and before, you know, really involving them in your family. Uh, we do have volunteers that have their own kids. And, you know, they if they're going to go to a baseball game and bring the family, they want to bring their mentee. Their, we call them littles, but their mentee, too. And that's absolutely fine. It's really important for Um, the kids in our program to see different family dynamics and they learn so much from their volunteer just by observation. And so we want them to see them as amazing parents and, you know, sisters and good friends and do all of those things because this is who they're going to emulate when they grow up. So true. And I'm wondering, as I'm thinking this through, if one of the reasons you are starting the high school programs is so that you can really be developing at a younger age those potential mentors. Yeah, I mean, it's our high school students that volunteer for us are just the most amazing group of people. Um, Most of them come from very similar backgrounds to the kids that they are mentoring, but they want to make sure that, you know, a a child who they identify with has someone that they feel like they didn't. And the goal, yes, absolutely is after they graduate high school and go to college, that they will come back and be a mentor for us in our traditional program. Okay, that's wonderful. And I'm wondering if it would be kind of a cool experiment to just ask an organization of volunteers that's already there, if they could just sponsor one month of your, um, of the inquiries that you get. 
Which yeah, is kind of a neat would, idea if yeah. each organization would just take a month a year and say, okay, we'll fill that obligation for you. Um, so are you partnering with other nonprofit organizations in that way to see if they can come and help fill, fill this need? You know, we do have some partnerships. Um, you know, One OC is a great resource for us. Um, their entire mission is, is to promote volunteerism and to partner corporations with organizations looking for volunteers. So we have, you know, a great partnership with them. Um, we do have some other partnerships with nonprofits more that, that are, are looking to have the kids that they serve in our program. Um, so, for example, we partner in our corporate program, we partner the Orangewood Samueli Academy with PIMCO. And um, the Samueli students are mentored in our program at PIMCO, and it's a wonderful um, partnership. We partner with the Discovery Science Center to bring fun STEM-based activities to our matches. Almost every weekend, we have some sort of group activity that our matches can kind of uh, opt into. Um, And so we partner with them on a lot of those. Uh, and then we also partner with, uh, with Youth Employment Services to do some workshops for our older kids who are looking to um, get their first job and uh, are, are doing trainings and, uh, you know, resume writing and interview skills that they partner with us on because that, that isn't our expertise. Wonderful, wonderful. And I love that you're layering in after high school, you're layering in college, and then on to career development as well. That's probably really key to your success strategy. Definitely. We won't achieve our goal without it. Probably not. Okay, so can we talk a little bit more about the actual volunteer? I'd like to know a little bit about the profile. If you're looking at those, um, the littles, what you look for in in a little, like, what are some of the criteria that it needs to be met in them and also in a volunteer? Is there a certain age range for the volunteers um, and certain set of circumstances that the littles need? Um, so for the littles, really, it's just um, a need of a, of a role model, of, of a positive mentor in their life. Um, you don't have to necessarily check a bunch of boxes. Um, you know, you don't have to hit, a, you know, be below a certain income level. Um, you know, there's some tragic things that can happen to kids that who are not low income and they're in need of a role model. Um, as a mother of boys, I couldn't imagine um, if something happened to my husband and they need, uh, they do, they would need a, a positive male force in their life. Right. Um, for our volunteers, about 60% of them are under 35. Um, if you want to hyper-focus, they're 28 to 31. <laughs> That makes sense, um, though, because it's before they've taken on their own family's yeah, commitment. Exactly. Exactly. They feel they are, you know, uh, established a little bit in their career. Uh, we do have some that volunteer right out of college that are great volunteers, but typically they tend to be in their later 20s, early 30s. Um, you know, they, they, they live in Irvine, Newport, Costa Mesa, you know, kind of all of the places that young people live. Um, and then about 40% of our volunteers are empty nesters, are over 50. Their kids are either in high school or beyond, and now they feel as though they have really time to give back. We also have the opportunity to volunteer as a couple. So if this is something you want to do with your significant other um, and share kind of that responsibility, that's a great way to volunteer too. And, and that's something that we're just starting to really promote. 
Okay, well, that's exciting too. And it might also be a great thing for couples to do something like this before they have their own families, just so they can understand the level of commitment they're getting into. Absolutely. And in fact, one of my good friends um, who I worked with at UCI, her and her husband are a big couple for us, and they're just rock stars. Very cool. So, okay, um, tell me a little bit about, okay, so, well, what would be, what would be somebody that just maybe wants to stick their toe in and see if this is the right fit for them? How would they go about reaching out to you? Let's give them contact information. And also, what are some ways that they can discover what the organization is doing? Yeah, so... Uh, the best way to kind of, um, if you're interested in contacting us or kind of learning more, um, the first step would be to go to our website, which is OC, like Orange County, um, Biggs, B-I-G-S dot org. That's also our social media handle on all the social media platforms. Um, so you can kind of get a flavor of the organization um, through social media. We do a really good job um, with that. And then about every other month, we host kind of a fun happy hour at really cool places uh, where you can meet people who are volunteers for us, um, as well as it's a group of people who are maybe thinking about it and, and want to learn more, maybe know somebody who has volunteered for us um, and is just looking for more information. And so we have a whole bunch coming up this summer. We have one at, we're going to do some some golf lessons and bocce at the Newport Beach Country Club. We're going to be doing something at Pelican Hill, um, something um, over by South Coast Plaza. Um, and we just do these all over, just kind of right after work for, you know, a lot of our volunteers are young professionals. And they really enjoy meeting one another because they're fantastic people. These are people who want to give back to our community. They're up and coming in their careers. They're educated. They're you know, their background checked and interviewed, they're great. And so, <laughs> I love um, that. Their know, background checked. That's probably the best they criteria. Are. It, for, it, it's, it's a, I it's, think you, you can know, probably a great way to maybe, maybe meet someone a, that you <laughs> see. <laughs> I was going to say what you were describing there. sounds it like happens. a really good profile for, you know, dating. It I is. mean, talk about cutting uh, the wheat from the people shop. People <laughs> have figured that out. Um, and it is because these are people that are good people. Um, so we right. do do those about every other month. Um, and so, and they're uh, not on the us, America's Most on, Wanted. <laughs> no, uh, look on our website. Feel free to um, email me. My email is on our website as well. Um, and come check us out at one of our events um, because they're super fun. And you'll anyone that comes will find out that kind of the the best group in town is the group that volunteers for us. I love, and we that. have thousands of them. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And how many people will attend an event like this? Um, Somewhere between, you know, like 150. Oh, so uh, I think the one we're doing at Pelican one. Hill is going to be a little more intimate, around 75. But we've gotten up to 200. Um, you know, it's it's not it's not out of control. Most of these um, restaurants and things like that, you know, they they can't hold thousands of people. So it's just, you know, it's after work, appetizers and drinks. Um, we'll have a current volunteer for us speak for maybe five minutes. And then if you're interested in signing up to interview um, or to come for an info session at our office, uh, you can do that right then. Oh, very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, this is this has been great. And and um, we've solved a couple different problems while we've been discussing this. You know, we've solved 
um, fulfilling some really important volunteer commitments and maybe even some matchmaking skills as well. (laughs) I I would love to challenge any company that wants to fulfill. I loved that idea about taking a month of volunteers off off our to-do list and and volunteering to fulfill that commitment that would be amazing wouldn't that though well it makes so much sense because you know when I what I think is so difficult about anything volunteer is you can get yourself together to pull a together an event but sustaining it is what's difficult and so you know if you task that part out that's really difficult to a different organization they can gear up for it manage it for you uh, once a year that could be part of their give back and then you know it's easy the rest is easy I love I love knowing how much you how much you offer um, the volunteer individual and also the kids throughout the process it's amazing thank you and we have some awesome corporations headquartered here in orange county so they could absolutely do that very very cool okay so i wrote a pause there hold on well so you are involved Melissa in an event that's coming up that you want to tell us a little bit more about and this is really separate from your responsibilities at Big Brothers Big Sisters right? Yes yes Uh, we are throwing an event um, for the Epilepsy Foundation Um, there currently are no believe it or not epilepsy services here in Orange County Um, and so we are wanting to kind of fund that program coming to Orange County and providing services for, you know, the over 30,000 people impacted by epilepsy right here in our community. And so uh, I'm involved with kind of a a professionals group who every year throw a black tie event benefiting a worthy charity um, and a strategic initiative within that organization. And, And our founder, Brian, his wife actually has epilepsy. And so this is something that's really close to all of our hearts. So I, I volunteered to chair it this year as I have some event experience from Big Brothers Big Sisters. Um, and we are putting on an event on June 3rd at the Balboa Bay Resort, um, benefiting the Epilepsy Foundation and specifically funding a neurosurgery fellowship um, to be shared by Chalk and UC Irvine. Um, someone that is specialized in neurosurgery for epilepsy patients. Okay. Well, that's a great, that's a great goal. This is put on through LEAD OC? Yes. And LEAD stands for Local Executives and Directors. Um, and this is kind of the, the Orange County chapter of that group. Okay. All right. Very good. And do, can you comment for a minute on the, what the, um, how many people's lives are impacted by epilepsy in our community? So actually, the statistic is that one in 27 people are impacted by epilepsy, meaning that, you know, either they have it themselves or a very close loved one. Um, there are over 30,000 residents of Orange County with epilepsy. Um, and it's kind of a, a, a hidden illness. And, and you know, I, I, I had always thought about it as something um, you know, you think of, you immediately think of kids and the kids that chalk serves that can have up to a hundred seizures a day and they're, they're uncontrolled and it impacts their brain and their cognitive function. And then so there are individuals like Megan who didn't get epilepsy until college, um, but is trying to raise her young son and be the, the wife and mother and person that she always wanted to be 
and sometimes also having, you know, up to dozens of, of seizures a day because of this illness. And many of it requires brain surgery. And you have to be a very specific brain surgeon to work on these types of patients. And, and it's, it's more school for a doctor that probably doesn't earn as much money with the specialty. And so we're trying to make that easier and, and fund that extra schooling and that fellowship so that there is someone that can be, and we already do have uh, one surgeon locally in Orange County at UC Irvine, Dr. Videra, um, but he's in need of another person that he can share with chalk to work on both young people and adults. Okay, and so this is the goal. Now, what is the name of the organization that's being founded? You said you have a founder. So it's for the, it's, it's for the oh, the, the, Brian is the founder of LEADOC. Oh, okay. um, and so he's the one that that founded kind of that executive group, and it's it's his wife Megan that has epilepsy that brought all of this cause um, into our hearts. Okay, all right. Is this Brian Goodman? Uh, no, it's actually Brian Davis, but I do know Brian Goodman. Oh, is that funny? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I was going to say I know there's lots of connections, especially through the Business Journal with these folks. Yes, and yes. Brian Goodman's been on my show before, so I thought, oh, it oh, has to be so that funny. connection. Yeah, he's a great guy. But yeah, Brian Davis is um, a local attorney. Um, he has a practice uh, in Newport, and I think he specializes in, in real estate law. Okay, very cool. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit more about your event. So it's a Black Bay event. It's on June 3rd at 6 p.m. at the Balboa Bay Resort. Um, and it is, you know, silent auction, um, a wonderful dinner. We always have a fantastic live band after the MVPs are playing this year. Um, and it's, it's 400 um, kind of young executive level uh, professionals from Orange County kind of bringing their friends to this event to, to, to raise money for an amazing cause that, that's so needed in Orange County. Oh, so interesting. I have a friend whose daughter has epilepsy. And I have seen this illness up close and personal. And it is really one of the most painful and tragic things to bear witness on. It really, really is difficult. And I know they're making strides in the medical profession, but they have still so far to go. And what's out there now is, you know, oftentimes if somebody doesn't respond to the medications that are available, they often won't really respond to any of the other medications. So it's kind of a... It's kind of a bummer because basically you just, you know, you hit a wall with it. And if nothing that we've made so far helps you, you're just kind of out of luck. No, it's so traumatic. And I know Megan has been on over 30 different medications and nothing has been able to stop her seizures. Um, So she's, you know, she has tried completely revolutionizing her diet. Um, And so at this point, really, her only option is brain surgery. Hmm. Interesting. And that is yeah. not a place anybody wants to go just in case. You just don't No, want not anything you wish on your child, not anything you wish, wish on your spouse um, or friend. And, you know, seeing what their family has gone through to try and manage this, this illness is, is just, it, it's, it's tragic to see. And so anything that we can do so that more people can be treated and, and have, I mean, and even for whether you're on medication or you're going the surgery route, there really isn't anyone in Orange County that is a specialist in 
working with you as a family and counseling you and going over those options with you. And so that's what we want to make sure. We want to make sure that um, L.A. has a program called Care and Cure, um, and that's what we want to have here in Orange County. We, we want to have our own Care and Cure so that the, the people in Orange County that are impacted by epilepsy have somewhere to go. Wow, that is fascinating. And they have certainly found a good friend in you to help them with their with their gala, Paint the Town Purple. Um, yes. If somebody wants to go and find tickets, how would they go yes. and do that? So they can go to the LEAD OC website. So it is, I just want to make, so it is leadoc.org, really okay. easy, LEAD, okay. L-E-A-D. Um, and right on that homepage, it has a huge thing for Paint the Town Purple. You can click on it and buy tickets. Um, and it, it's almost sold out, not quite yet. I think we have two or three tables left, meaning we can take about 20 or 30 more people. Um, but it's really going to be a good time. Um, and I think this is the fourth gala that Lead OC has put on. The first did benefit Big Brothers Big Sisters. Oh, very um, nice. Yes. And it's just, it's, it's every year it gets better. Um, it's a truly wonderful group of people who are just interested in raising money for an organization and, and making an impact in our community. Um, a lot of us have young kids at home. And so we're maybe not the best volunteer for somewhere like Big Brothers Big Sisters. So we want to do what we can in other ways. And, and this is what we're doing. Oh, I love it. Yes. Sorry. And, oh, no worries. <laughs> There's life around us. So this this year's um, Lido C. Gala, Paint the Town Purple, is benefiting Epilepsy Foundation of Greater Los Angeles. And that will impact people here in Orange County to uh, fund that, uh, really that professional, that medical professional that is needed here at um, UC Medical Center and also in Chalk to work concomitantly with both those um, institutions. Is that correct? Yes, both amazing, amazing hospitals that partner, and uh, we're just excited. I couldn't imagine having an illness like this and not having anywhere to go. Right. Um, and so or we any... want to fix that. Very good, very good. Um, who has Lead OC benefited before in the past? You said they did benefit your organization, Big Brothers, they Big did. Sisters. Um, we have done the United Cerebral Palsy Foundation. Um, last year, our benefit was for Miracles for Kids. Very interesting. Okay, very um, good. And I think that's been the, the four years that we've had it. Oh, uh, and uh, Cystic Fibrosis Foundation as well. Okay, very good. Very good. Well, I've certainly enjoyed my time with you, Melissa Peck. This has been great. And in closing, do you want to tell me any more of um, your passions through Big Brothers Big Sisters? If you could just leave us with a couple parting thoughts. I will say for anyone interested in giving back to their community and making a significant difference in um, Orange County and even in their own life, volunteering with us is, I, I can pretty much guarantee that you will get more out of it than you even put in. And looking back, you will say, say it's the best thing you've ever done and it made your life significantly better while also completely changing the life of a kid in our community. So I know a lot of people really want to make an impact with their time and there truly isn't a better way to do it than with us. And we have the most amazing people around. So I encourage anyone to just find out more. 
Love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much for your time. And again, let's go ahead and give out the website for Big Brothers and Big Sisters one more time. So it's ocbigs.org. Okay, ocbigs.org. That's great. And um, you can find your way to an email on there and contact you or just send an inquiry and someone will get back to you. Yeah, if you you go to the About Us, um, I'm there with my email. You can also sign up for a newsletter. Our phone number's on there. You can give us a call. Um, And we have the most amazing staff that will guide you through any questions that you have. Okay, perfect. Wonderful. Well, I'm so excited to be connected with you. And uh, I thank you for being a guest on Real People OC. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Great.